0: Hello, welcome to the Frank's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Leo. Today we have percussionist, pianist, composer, and podcaster Julian Loida on the show. Julian released his full-length piano-based album called Giverny on May 19th, 2023. One of the sort of
1: inspiring areas of it is this idea of music being a visual art, that music can inspire visual and visceral experiences both like in your mind, but also through dance and and painting and how painters can influence musicians and vice versa. It also has to do with this idea of memories where, you know, memories, we often remember things before we even
0: remember them, in a sense. We talk about the album, album tour, Julian's past works, podcasting, synesthesia, freelance work, and more. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Julian Loida, hello, welcome.
1: Hi, thanks, great to be here.
0: How are you today? You're coming to us from, by way of like Boston, right?
1: Yeah, actually south of Boston on Cape Cod near the bridge, but I'm in in Falmouth and yeah, beautiful spring day here.
0: Beautiful. The weather's nice. You feeling good?
1: (laughs) Mostly, definitely stressed. Uh, There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's always a lot going on, but yeah, with the album release coming in a week from today and uh doing an album release concert with a friend of mine that I recorded on his album release and stuff there's and that's just a couple things of a big old mess of stuff going on but but generally yeah good and happy to be
0: working you had been saying before we turn this on that you gotta drive across the cape is that for that show you're talking the same show yeah, my album friend release? Brian
1: Calhoun does a, a show called Marimba Cabaret, where he plays Marimba. It sings like show tunes, and then I play drum set or Cahoon oh, and in percussion on his show. So he has his album release show tonight in P-Town and then on Sunday uh, in Boston at Club Cafe. And So we uh, got to go do that.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, what a great way to spend a Friday and yeah. s- Saturday night, you said, right?
1: Sunday night, but yeah.
0: Sunday night. Excuse me. A great weekend. Cool, man. We're doing this for your new album. We're uh, we're sneaking in some interview time here. I'm super, super excited. So flattered that we got to connect and that you were like, "Hey, you want to do one?" And I was like, "Yeah, definitely." A <laughs> uh, friend of mine, his name is Dylan O'Fryas, put me on to you like a couple oh. of weeks ago. Oh wow! He- Who's that? He's at Queens College finishing up his percussion studies as an undergrad there. Oh, cool. His teacher Mike Lipsy showed several of those students like your beaten paths video. No way. That's wild. I didn't know people even I honestly
1: didn't even know that
0: people yeah, um, still
1: watch that. That's wild.
0: I, I had it on before. It well, it's a wild video, so I, I would expect it I would expect it to be at a place like Queens College where Thank I girl. know they're pretty avant-garde in their classical totally. contemporary music program. Nice. That's so cool. Dylan had sort of a question, sort of uh, wondering about this, because I yeah. told him that you were here, and he was like, oh, my God, that's great, and made me feel <laughs> all the, the more excited to do this with you. Um, nice. You have a straight version where you just play the music, yep. and you have a commentated version. Where'd you find that Milton Babbitt audio solo recording or, or like how did you curate come to select those tracks? Cause I think you've done that in some of your other work too, right?
1: I love that you're asking me these questions because nobody asks me about these things anymore or really ever did. And I do, I would love to someday redo or like continue to play those pieces. It is, those pieces are so hard and take... I mean, you couldn't... You, There's no way to live and play those pieces. Like, you would have to live in the practice room, perform, and you would make no money performing them. There's just no way to... That's what I found. It's stuff that you can, like, only do in college because your life is, like, supported by education or whatever. All to say... I found those recordings. I really loved Melvin Babbitt. When I listened to his music, it kind of just like allowed me to be still, and was so. You, you have no control. You know what's the music is so complex and so, for lack of a better word, absurd that you. There's no way to know what's coming next there's no way to even remember what just happened often even maybe and you just have to let go and I you have to kind of surrender to the experience and I don't know I think that's really cool and there was something about his music that had some soul to it to me like I think a lot of people think that kind of deeply intensely hard difficult music is how do you say it's it's lifeless or something but to me i hear there's a soul there's something in his music and when people always you know attempt to play what he wrote there's something there but i think i found that recording in some sort of cd at IU's library of his music and I remember listening to it and there's more. Obviously there's yeah, I think there's two tracks of it out of that. I don't remember exactly what it is offhand, but it's probably one with Beaten Baz on it, maybe. But he talks about his article that he released. And again, I haven't thought about this in quite a while, so I'm not by any means like up to date with specifics. But I just I love the voice, I love speaking. It's what led me to be a podcaster and to wanna to do podcasts. And I create a body of work where I intertwine sort of, like, percussion pieces that are in the repertoire with spoken word, whether it's Miles Davis, Robin Williams, Rabbi Shlomo Karlbach talking about the Holocaust, Martin Luther King, maybe there's others, Jackson Pollock. And I just hear, I've always heard when people speak orators and stuff that they speak in time. Martin Luther King specifically, like, spoke, like, Mm -hmm. in time. And I just find it fascinating and I love the con you know, the like interplay of someone speaking and his voice is so incredible with his music. That's sort of you know, you I think we think of a toll music like that as so crazy and you know, impossible, but maybe it's actually extremely vocal. You know, maybe that sporadicness is actually how we speak. I don't know. Within the within there still being a meter. You know, I I mean, there's something I really think within that early music that I was making and those early multimedia pieces, that's really something that, yeah, I wish get more attention, honestly. But that's super cool to hear that someone's still looking at it because I I thought that was just lost in YouTube.
0: That's kind of how I started my early YouTube stuff as well. Just excerpt stuff, I was thinking... Nobody will see this except like maybe two kids who need these excerpts. <laughs> but yeah. I, I loved the surrender, I think you were saying, to yeah. something as complex as Milton Babbitt's music. You need to let it take you for the ride, right? I, and there's kind of, you gotta, you gotta be focused on it too, you, or it's gotta be the, the, the key focus, maybe in a hall, or if you're just getting down and sitting down to watch your video. But the surrender to it, but then you kind of juxtapose that by adding vocal, which is much easier to take yeah. along for. So great, great project, man. Your your body of work is tremendous at this point. And from mm-hmm. listening to some of your material, your podcast material, you're thirty years old. Yes, you've just been be thirty-one
1: going. in a few weeks, in a month, a month from today. I'll Happy be birthday on Thank June twelfth. Thank you.
0: <laughs> um, but uh, cool. Dil, I think Dylan will be delighted to hear that. Well, I have Glad to. That- I have to
1: interrupt you. I I genuinely really appreciate you saying that about the repertoire. Nobody really goes back and looks at that or knows about that, and I wish they would. And I don't think people look at the body of work that I've done at this point. And I, I I am surprised by it. And yeah, I just really appreciate you. Seeing that and saying that, especially as a percussionist, because I'm really trying to do something different here.
0: Oh, no, I, I appreciate that, too. Doing something different and building this because, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, yeah, briefly, I've been introduced to your music. And, and I'm, as I'm scrolling your Instagram, I was looking. You have over 800 posts. There is so much vibraphone that I want to uncover. I've been and listening it. to Wallflower. Nice. which I think you kick off with this ripping two mallet part, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, 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 that's, that's where that instrument needs to be. Um, I'm a vibraphone player myself. Nice. Not awesome. nearly as intense as you're playing, but I'm a huge fan of the instrument. I do have my yeah. own instrument. Nice. Um, and just, it's so gorgeous, and it's so undersold,
1: Yeah, Uh, totally. Maybe
0: because it's only about 100 years old and maybe because it's so (laughs) hard to get around with.
1: I think both. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to hearing more of your material, checking you out. Although, shame on you. I was looking at your tour schedule, Julian, and it Uh doesn't look like you're coming down to New York anytime soon not yet that i will happen, be man
1: of course of course i will be it It's new york is hard as especially a boston person it's hard to get people out and to everything and i'm it's also easy because i know people there and i've been there a, a bit but yeah it's the east coast the boston to dc and philly and baltimore and new york and stuff and back will happen probably in the fall but yeah, it's just it's uh this is not the the tour schedule that is out is ever growing. There's actually more stuff if you yeah, definitely go to the website. There's more stuff that's gonna be popping up even the next couple of weeks. But I'm getting out the hard stuff first, the international, the Midwest, the West Coast. But I live on the East Coast, so unfortunately they're gonna have like uh yeah, they'll be they'll have to wait a second. <laughs> but I will be, of course, of course.
0: Of course I was only being ironic when I said shame on you <laughs> I, And I, only because I want to see this stuff go on live yeah. I can't wait to hear your new album huh. Please tell me and whoever is listening What that's about for you What's, What is it? How many people are on it? What, tell me about the album
1: Yeah, so it's my second solo album of original music. There's a lot of different avenues to kind of talk about it. One of the sort of inspiring areas of it is this idea of music being a visual art, that music can inspire visual and visceral experiences, both like in your mind, but also through dance and and painting and how painters can influence musicians and vice versa and in that interplay as well as dancers and other visual artists and it kind of comes from my time visiting paris which and going to all these art museums and seeing all the, the great art there and Going to Monet's house and gardens in Giverny, which is the title album, and the title track is the first track on the album called Giverny, and it was a piece that came out of me a couple of years ago, and I felt like I could never have written it if I'd never been to Giverny and seen the flowers and the ponds and the, pond the lights, and I got to see it in the spring and the fall, and just blew me away, and so special. It also has to do with this idea of memories, where. You know memories we often remember things before we even remember them in a sense that's not the exact kind of thesis quote but it's something like that that you know we experience life we experience people we experience places food everything and those things are in our brain but just because they're not at the top of our brain doesn't mean they're not there it doesn't mean they're not influencing us our subconscious in our creativity if not our conscious cells that you know, everyone, everything that we ever do influences every step and every action we take in one way or another. And, and that that also happens in our creative process. And sometimes we write music that we don't even realize where it comes from or where it's inspired by. So there's an element of that. And for me, I kind of track that into visual arts, the sort of synthetic to our experiences that I'm on the spectrum of. So that's one avenue. The other avenue is it's a very solo album. I play piano, I play percussion, I do some singing, play some like synth bass on it. I work with Charlie Van Kirk, who's the producer. He did some singing, some percussion, some synth on it. It's a very me album. I brought in a couple guests. Olivia Barton sang on a piece with her girlfriend, Corinne. And then I'll oh, play Cardosa play bass, and Jayla Dobolsky played a little flute, and David Lee Crow played saxophone on a piece, and I'm probably forgetting some people but there's some guests on it and yeah really proud of the album it's definitely a bigger sounding album a wider sounding album and I just had an incredible team working on it and um, graphic designer Jenny Bergman printed CDs and vinyl that are available actually currently have a fundraiser that's up through Give Lively you can find it on my Instagram link and bio stuff If you, that's a great place to pre-order or order the album yeah that's, that's a little bit about
0: the album Cool can i I'll ask you just like briefly, when you're going to s- s- like the the app streaming Spotify with this, how are you going to generalize this mm. album? That's so what funny genre that's that. do you put it in? man,
1: genre is like the bane of it I know existence.
0: I know <laughs> I <was> just, <laughs> go, the, ahead, go ahead
1: the album has classical elements, it has new age elements, it has global percussion elements it has. Jazz elements, it has just like improvised music elements, it has avant garde elements, it has like every music that I play and enjoy, it has those elements. And those are, you know, I love every kind of music there is. So, one area that is, it finds a home in that took some kind of research in it. And I was listening to a lot of nails from Oliver Arnold's Hani Rani, that style of music, even Hildner Golden Adulter or Brian Eno later on in the album, the sort of neoclassical genre is a good one for it. For this album, I don't think I'm a neoclassical artist. I mean, I write, I think my composing style can be seen in a neoclassical way. It can also be seen in a lot of different ways. And I've seen it be picked up by everything from blues rock playlist to Latin playlist to classical and jazz and like island Hawaiian music playlist, like I've seen so many people find their avenues into it. It's very open music, and I think it can stay that way and be that way, but it is hard to sell it because it's not like classic this, but I think that will give it a lifespan of which it will. It has a longer life because of that and won't be something that just comes and goes because it's just another blanket this. So I think it's, we don't have the words exactly for it yet or whatever, maybe. But right now, neoclassical, sometimes my European PR company is kind of putting me through a classical lens. My US PR company is putting me through like a folk sort of neoclassical lens. I've had a booking agent in the UK put me through like a folk lens, hardcore. And, you know, I'm starting to play with a trio, a quartet, and it sounds like this really cool cinematic jazz stuff. Like, it just, I don't know, man. It's just music, and people, I think, like it when they take a, give it a chance. And it's soothing, it's healing, it's different, and I think it's fresh, personally. I don't know.
0: As you're describing this to me, and I haven't heard it, but the impression <laughs> I'm getting is that maybe the word post or modern <laughs> will be attached to the neoclassical label, post-neoclassical or <laughs> Contemporary neoclassical, somehow, yeah. but that just might be the era. I call everything post something or a post minimalist or anyhow. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah. as I say, I, actually, that got me extremely excited that you have two different sort of PR companies. First of all, and good for you, that's incredible. And they're kind of calling it different things, and how mm-hmm. you're understanding the music is coming into focus. Uh, mm-hmm. Super cool. Back to memories without knowing their memories <laughs> yeah. uh, and that being super relatable, I think the internet has been memeing it about like maybe what you're, you're lying in bed at one in the morning thinking about that embarrassing thing you did in the third grade, <laughs> you know, because we live these experiences, they're in our minds as we're doing them, they get further away and then all of a sudden they come back, we don't know why, maybe a place in time maybe totally. a uh maybe a smell or something what triggers it and then in your music i think what you're kind of holding in each hand is that there are these memories and you have this music and they may be very inspired and that and pardon me if i'm drawing conclusions julian no go for it but that may be the result of this sort of gift you have with this synesthesia spectrum. I've been seeing you got kind of this this thing going on. I'm looking at a post you have on the Instagram. When music is played, I experience it first in my ears, but quickly followed by my eyes, body, and most recently my tongue. Um, I'm on the spectrum of a sensory phenomenon called synesthesia in which the experience of sense cognitively connects to other senses. Am I hitting something with that? Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit more about your experience? Yeah. There's there's more text here, but how do you describe it to people day to day beyond what I just read?
1: So everyone's born with synesthesia. It's this interconnectivity of the senses. And often as we grow up, basically the brain make hardwire stuff, and and there's some studies on this, but it's not a super, extremely studied thing. But essentially for me, I think it comes out of this just like extremely open mind of, of sorts, and some of it is very visceral and, and real, and some of it is just a, a viewpoint and a way of seeing the world or experiencing the world in which not building too many walls between things. And people experience synesthesia in various different ways. There are people who have synesthesia who have perfect pitch, and so they, every time they hear notes, they see the colors. And, and you also have to remember that we see with our brains and not our eyes. I mean, we do see with our eyes, but our, our brains are actually what are seeing and making sense of what comes through our eyes.
0: Processing. Processing, yeah. So it,
1: it happens in the brain. And there's it's a it's a spectrum of sorts. I mean, some people have it extremely intensely. And it can probably even be very difficult and some people have it much kind of lighter and i would say i'm on that side the tricky thing is that everyone who has synesthesia has a different kind of synesthesia and it's also everyone kind of can have like hard like they experience it and it's very real and and um, you can get you know like someone's like oh c is orange or c is purple and you're like no c is red or whatever you're like what really that's crazy no it's definitely this it's kind of goofy thing but it's a lot more common than people realize i think there's a lot of people on the planet who have it who don't realize it i think there's a lot of things in life that cue us into it like some people uh there's a writer who talks and scientists who study since he talks about the same like sharp cheddar cheese you know that cheese is sharp you know that's sort of a synesthetic idea that something on your tongue that you taste is this actual sharp and that these kind of things there's a lot of things in life or if you're talking about film film is a synesthetic thing if you're watching like YouTube videos and there's music that's synesthetic in in ways this sort of pairing of the visual and the auditory or, or multiple senses going on at once that is a very synesthetic approach to, to life and and music and and art making and things.
0: I see. This is, as you're describing this, your experience, I mean, you know, early general impressions of your music is very colorful and very deeply vibrant. There's, there is this emotional concept. And, and I think that's when, when people get to talking about the power of music in a way that I think a lot of musicians find um, sort of—I don't mean to be pretentious, but like layman's terms, you know, yeah, like yeah, when, yeah, pe- yeah. when people, when people, well, when non-music players they saw something on NBC, yeah, yeah, yeah. I—they're talking about uh, music has two very distinct powers. One, like it can move you physically. Sound waves are a physical measurement that we can take. You mm-hmm. feel your chest, big speakers, but two, then like. The deeper level is it can move you emotionally. And when you talk about films as well, the vibe is what people really are out there for listening, right? Out mm-hmm. there listening for. So this synesthesia spectrum and this coming to terms with it being open, I appreciate that. It's You're not saying necessarily like, Zeus sent me this thunderbolt and now I've got something you don't have. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying like, Not I'm exploring, me. I'm exploring this and I feel like I am connected to it. That's part of why you are such a comprehensive musician.
1: Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, there are certain keys that I associate, especially on the keyboard or vibraphone that I feel has different colors. And, and I felt when I'm in that flow of writing something or improvising something that I, I know will become a piece that I'm trying to find notes to realize something that's a visual experience and auditory at the same time and, and finding those colors of the music. And, and I often can experience sort of people or sounds and chords and that I don't just listen to like the low, the note a, or like, that's an a major chord. I'm listening to the way that those notes interact with each other. I'm listening to what is probably the, what do you call The harmonics, the timbre. I'm really sensitive to timbre more so than like quality or the exact note or stuff like that, like timbre and harmonics. And I just find that I am sensitive to different things than I find my musician colleagues are. I even find when I write my music on sheet music, when you look at that, it's like, what is this? This is like just all these notes. It's just a bunch of like black and white. But when you listen to it, it's like an extremely different experience. And even that I don't write my music that much. Or exist in that way because it doesn't get me to the point where i want to go you know improvising it just creating these things and sharing them with people who have they have good good ears and can play along or can improvise or are open to improvising over a single scale basically or a few and using a different type of improvisation where you're more rhythm more timbre more sound more breath more air more emotion than like how am I going to fit this bebop lick into this? Like, that's not the, that's the fucking farthest thing from my mind.
0: So, yeah. Cool. And again, back to the excitement for your new album. Like, I can't wait to hear this stuff come together, man. And May 18th, right? Is that the, the release 19th. date? 19th, 19th, excuse me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Is it, do, does this tie into some goals you have for the album? What, what do you want it to reach what what makes this launch successful for you what are you hoping for or is it very much this is what you have to say and that's as when it's released it's it's out there and accomplished how do you, how are you feeling about this
1: yeah i mean i'm i'm a real like i really think about stuff really strategize about stuff really try to put my best foot forward this is a big album for me it's you know, first album of vocal music I've been leading up to this for years. Now I've put out some singles that start to use my voice. I put out a piano EP before this, and now it's like a culmination of everything. And I really hope that this album lasts a while and that it's already done a lot in terms of like, I really wanted this album to allow me to go play overseas and to go play on the West Coast and to tour the world, honestly. And that's happening. And I hope to bring it to Mexico City and to Bogota and Brazil and other parts of Europe. And I love to go to Japan and China and Southeast Asia and, yeah, you know, and Africa, like, I really want to go places with this album, even if it's just plain, you know, keyboard, a little keyboard or whatever I want. This gives me a reason to knock on some doors. And I think I always am amazed how CDs or albums really allow you to have something to like of weight you know that everyone says to release singles and that's fine and there's a time for that but I think you depending on the kind of artist you are and what you're looking to do that having an album has some weight to it that you can throw around and if you're kind of blindly ambitious like I am you know you can really swing it swing around and get yourself out there and that's what I'm really really looking to do and you know kind of I'm also in kind of a big mode of just trying to build up some stuff like build up some weight on the on the sort of resume of sorts and just yeah I mean COVID just really I was going to be going on tour and building you know on top of what I had during and COVID hit and was devastating to like cancel those shows and took a while to get back into that and now is really that time where I'm really back into like a robust pre pandemic thing. And I think you just, you know, I'm just ready to go throw myself out there a bit. And it's going to be exhausting. But it'll be special. And I want to keep doing that for a couple years. I mean, you can really tour an album for five years, you know, and I don't think you know, I think I'll be releasing more stuff. I think it's also propelled me into realizing like, okay, now that I've done like the full on album thing with PR in multiple continents and stuff. Now I know how to release an album faster cheaper and the most efficiently I can because I've done the like robust thing and so now I have in my mind I've met multiple albums and ideas of stuff that I like to put out probably even I should just focus on videos even more than recorded music but you know I'm just kind of I have this there's just so many ideas and I just wish I had like a hundred thousand dollars to just like make everything but yeah so it's really just like allowed me to kind of hopefully launch off like grow. I'd love to, you know, get just on a bigger, build a bigger platform, love to go to more colleges and, and it, you know, ideally be able to interact with PASIC a little bit, but it's a piano album. So I don't think that was gonna happen. But yeah, just really continue to grow as an artist and get out there and just kind of do my thing unabashedly and just also say like, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Join or don't. And that's cool.
0: getting out to the i mean yeah question answered thank you julian i'm so excited to hear all of this going to explore the world with your music is such an incredible like ambitious feat to go after and like as you say you can tour an album for five years maybe see how it's changing as well like you know, put it down differently. You're getting new ideas. Like you said, creating new music as it's out there. That's wonderful. Cool. Best of luck. I, I can't wait to continue following you on, on socials and such. You had said yeah, there's more coming, more coming. Yeah. You had said, uh, some videos versus being recorded. And actually that might bring us to the next part of the segment. Do you video record? You, you've got a podcast. It's called The Millennial Musician, right? Act, yeah, A Millennial
1: Musician. But there's a actually millennial. someone took the name The Millennial Musician. So now I have to correct people. It's A Millennial Musician. A Millennial <laughs> Musician.
0: Do you record video for that? I don't think you do. No,
1: I, you... I like the audio. I like talking on the phone to people. I do like I use this thing called Zencaster and just do audio like like we're doing now. Yeah, I. Well, I've always enjoyed talking on the phone and stuff, so it just feels like a recorded
0: chat. Oh, Same. I think I was expressing that to you a little bit before yeah. we started, too. The phone and, or being in person for an interview, you know, you, uh, ideal. That's how I've mostly been doing mine. But you've got a lot of uh, there's a lot of people. You've got over 40 episodes up. It's like a great show. The first thing that attracted me to it was, again, Dylan had put me on to you. I saw you're doing a podcast and I thought, huh. I'm doing a podcast. Let me check it out. But <laughs> yeah, totally. Your, and I don't have it for reference right now, but your introductory text is very, very well curated, very well written. And Thanks. I saw that you released your first solo episode recently. Congratulations. That's not Thanks. easy. No. Um, I was very excited about a lot of the things you said, but. Can you start by maybe describing your process? You'd said you do edit your podcasts after they're done. What are you editing for, just in general yeah i I think of
1: my podcast as like an auditorial biopic, so it's like really like this person's coming on. I want you to know about them. They're incredible. They're more than a musician. They're a human, they're an artist, blah blah blah. They're just a special person, and I want them. I really am just like pushing them off the edge of like, tell us your story, basically. Like, you know, where do you, you know, like in and have them tell it with their voice. It really started from before I started my podcast in April 2020. Basically, COVID happened and I was like, oh, I finally have time to do this dream that I've been wanting to do forever. I've been wanting to do it for years. And I finally had that moment and I, I I went for it. It really came from a frustration with press that as a young artist, as a millennial artist, especially at that point, I was you know maybe 27, 26, that PR wouldn't cover young, upcoming artists because they really needed viewership. Like all they have to do is like put Bruce Springsteen does, goes to the bathroom and they're going to get 1 million clicks or more, which means they can you know, get better sales or, you know, better marketing on their website, you know, like Cheryl Crow, blah, 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 you know? And so it's just the same names going over and over again. And there's no real work being done to cultivate the upcoming people. It's better now. And I think through COVID it's kind of a little better, but if you think before COVID, it was just like name dropping this person covering the same people. They always cover whether it's like a folk thing to like larger stuff. It just was there was never any space for actually incredible young people who were are going to be the future, are the future and are already killing it to tell their story that is more than like a three line, you know, thing on that takes up like an inch on a, you know, a blog or whatever, you know, for them to be like, this is unabashed, like who I am. Here's the full story told by me. That reduced. And here it is. And it will live online forever, you know? And that was really the goal of it was to like get that. So I really don't talk that much. I think I don't talk too much on my podcast. I really just try to like prompt them to tell their story. And then I've had people kind of want to learn more about me. I haven't really done much on me on it. And so I started to, I'm wanting to do more solo podcasts, which I did the one, which felt good. And I tried to do another one the other day, a couple of weeks ago, and I couldn't, I couldn't get it going. My head was just not in the place to just ramble <laughs> coherently and stuff. So, yeah, I, I love featuring and putting up on platform like different artists that are no one really often knows about or not enough people know about, but are just you know really special people and stuff.
0: So, working musicians there, yeah. I come from a blue collar background and it strikes me the more I'm working in music, the more it can be blue collar, especially if we're moving instruments, especially if we're drumming or playing mallets. I mean, they're literally mallets, hammer and nails, you know? (laughs) But yeah, I was really connecting with everything you said. I I would say also in my podcasts, I don't do a lot of talking, but I know I'm a talker. So in my podcast, (laughs) I try to do less talking and more listening. And uh, hopefully... And same thing, though, get the people I work with, the people that I know to tell their stories so that Mm -hmm. maybe one of them can connect to another one or just be put on, turned on to these other things. So I I think we have a similar goal in mind, if not in different niches or different spaces. But so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Your solo podcast, again, I've when I launched it, I wanted to have a solo podcast in there and it just became so daunting. So fast on its face. You're like, okay, I'll talk about what this is or a topic for Uh 20, 30 minutes. And then I'll cut down what I don't like. And then you go try and do it. And it's like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Hey, what did I even mean by that? Was I in my own headspace? Is this a story? Is this what, but yours does tell a story, Julian. And, you Can I ask you about a couple of things in there? Of course, of course. So, you had talked about working versus resting. I think that was the key theme. Yeah. Have you since gotten better at... Now, I know you're scheduling yourself for an extremely busy time in your life, but yeah. have you been programming your schedule to have vacation or rest periods involved or... You know, like you're in the money, you got to keep digging through, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to keep, you know, putting stuff on, putting stuff on.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting. I think I think what I try to do with those with the solo podcast that I hopefully will do as well is like just really key into like what feels like is on my mind over and over again right now. What am I when I talk to my other musicians friends? What do we end up talking about? Because everyone ends up talking about the same things at similar times. So then I try to just channel that and, and stuff. And funny enough, that whole like rest first, I forget what I called it, but that it got worse before it got better. It got a lot worse before it got better. In February, I was doing like a bunch of jobs on top of, it was just craziness. But what was funny was I don't think any of my, a bit of my bosses at the time did not listen to that podcast. I don't think, (laughs) and uh, it would have been a clear like, oh, Julian's going to quit soon. (laughs) But yeah, I ended up leaving a couple jobs for various reasons and made room for me to be able to tackle the album release more. But I started working for the Cape Cod Symphony as well, and that's been a great fit, but yeah, it's been a lot to get my tour together, to get the PR people to finalize graphics, to getting, you know, merchandise made and shipped. And it's really crazy. Cause when you think back on these things, it feels like, well, what was I even doing, but. Geez, you know, just constantly working on stuff. And yeah, so I think I have gotten better in terms of I've said no to more things. I, I've i kind of said that my 20s were about saying yes, and my 30s are going to be about saying no. And I follow a chef called David or named David Chang. And he talks about like how what you excuse me, what you need to get to where you're you want to go is not what you You're not going to get there with what got you to where you are now. So everything like that crazy hard work, the sort of like frantic yes of your 20s or for me, my 20s and teens is not what it's going to take for me to get to where I want to go in my 30s and 40s. It's going to be no's and hard no's, no's to things that I want to, you know, not only want to say yes to, but should say yes to, but saying no to that, you know. So I've gotten a little better. I've said some no's for some things in May. I'm getting better at some no's. I'm getting better at being like, yeah, I don't want to play that gig for hundred bucks. No, I don't want to play the gig for 250 bucks. Like that's over here or you know what I'm going to, you know, no, I want more money for this or, you know, no, I don't think I want to do this, commit to this teaching thing. Cause it takes five hours of travel. It's exhausting. And I just want to practice for those five hours or be able to go for a bike ride, you know, eat, cook for myself and then go practice for an hour or two and have my life be set up that way. Um, So I'm kind of sorting through all that still. And it is hard because I'm in like more of the money pit right now because I've fully invested in the album. And now it's just building back from there. And there's still some like like hotel or airbnbs to get and stuff so i'm definitely like drinking from the spout but you know come the end of summer i think we'll be in a better spot in the fall and luckily i have the cape symphony stuff that's been really fun and and cool and some solid like um, good ground beneath me but yeah it's definitely a balance and i'm not good at it but i i do think i'm getting better i think every year in my 30s i'm gonna get better and better at it and see the value of just not working and not making that extra hundred bucks, extra 200 bucks that, you know, takes seven hours out of my life or a week, you know, whatever. So I think I'm more confident and just say no and be like, no, it's not what I want to (laughs) do. But also I, you know, doing stuff that's, you know, sometimes it's doing something that's free. That's for the community or, or for whatever that, cause it just is something you want to do.
0: So, balance we balance, yeah we have to balance that because it's it's and it's funny how it kind of loops back around and you're going you're scratching your head going should I be doing this I want to (laughs) it's my music you kind of moved on to the next thing which was like sort of about you had said raising your rates and I didn't want to pry you did list some numbers for us but um I was gonna look for some examples of how you might have raised a rate and One of them I I was connecting to very much, this happened to me recently, was not taking like an education job at a local marching band because I could do it, I really, really wanted to do it, but, you know, no matter how I did the math, it just wasn't coming out.
1: Yeah, nice, You for you.
0: Thank you. So, organically, I think you're finding yourself with some more free time or some more personal work time by saying no to some things that might have some pay but might not be quite in line with your financial economic or like personal goals. Like there there's some things that have to line up more. But Julian, my question to you mm-hmm. is have you scheduled vacation time?
1: <laughs> have I scheduled vacation time? Not Really, I I think I'm still doing that thing where I'm scheduling gigs. There's like, you know, I play in Puerto Rico and then I have a gig there or two. And then I'm sort of like vacationing and working. I think I will be doing more of that. And I have done that with going to Puerto Rico. And I love going there and studying with teachers. And that is vacation to me to go and just take lessons with these amazing people. And I want to do that with Cuba and and more parts of the world i love. it for me like i'm just so hungry to practice and i don't get a lot of practice time right now but i'm so hungry to do that i just want to like quit everything and just practice like so bad i just like and it's always like the green is or the grass is green on the other side because then when i have had endless time to practice then i'm like man but what is this all for like i want to be i want to have a gig too you know or whatever so i really am trying to just like enjoy whatever space I'm in and get the most out of that and know that the other side is going to come back as well. And I'm definitely trying to like break this like gig addiction that, you know, it feels like, you know, we can have where it's like just chasing the next thing and it's hard because that's also a way of making money and also making back your investment for me is particularly the album and having physical copies of stuff. It's like, well, I need to just go play because no one's gonna just buy this album, they're gonna buy it after they see a performance or whatever. But I think it's funny, I forgot, maybe I did talk about raising my rates in there. I think in a way I did, and I I haven't been as good about that as I'd like to be. I definitely do like pitch stuff or I'll push stuff up a hundred dollars or something. I probably should be more aggressive, but I'm mildly aggressive about it. But I'll also, if they can't do it, I'll be like, I'll still go do it depending on the thing, especially right now, because there's just a lot of promotion gigs going on right now, but yeah, there's just a lot of different kinds of gigs, you know, but I think for me, something that's a little bit of a pet peeve is gigs that pay like two weeks or a month or two months later is kind of like, then why even do it? Like, you know, (laughs) if I'm going to get paid to a hundred dollars two months from now, like fucking I'll make a hundred dollars. Like, I don't know. It's just like, you know, like the free, I don't know. I just think if it, if you, if you can pay a musician, like after the gig, like do that, you know, like, I know that some institutions can't, but it's just like, it's just kind of annoying, you know, it's like. I don't know that's a little peppy
0: of mine. Two things you're connecting very much to some two things that I learned from my father. One when you said like gig addiction. Yeah. He had his own work. He installed alarms, home oh, alarms nice. primarily. Yeah. And yeah. it was his own company, so it was his. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's when you say gig addiction, I would say he was a slave to it. Yeah. And and now that I'm out of some corporate stuff like gig addiction like Getting out there playing. That's, yeah, like we're always on call. Somebody calls you for a gig. If it's three yeah. weeks from now, you got to respond. You got to get back to it, right? You're still a slave to the job.
1: Right, right, right.
0: And sometimes it feels wonderful. Sometimes it's like, well, if I don't get back to this, I can't think about, you know, my date tonight. I can't think about <laughs> enjoying dinner with my family tonight. Like I, I yeah. have to get back to this. Otherwise, it's what's on my mind. Yeah, but um, totally. then the other thing you connected to my dad on was uh if you gotta chase the money, it's practically not worth doing it. Totally. That's a good thing He would way say that it. all the time. If Fuck you gotta go shit, back <laughs> or if you got if you're chasing the money, what did you even do the work for? And yeah, um totally so, and I'm asking you this because my work in music is mostly niche, like in, in my professional applications, mm-hmm. like this wedding gig thing with DJs and such where mm-hmm. I'm playing with DJs. And in that sense, it's, but it's still a ton of freelance. And we are in the entertainment business, uh, just as you're in the music business. And without being like entrepreneurial, you know, these are real things that we have to make sure get covered is, hey, I really prefer to get paid when I get there, is is a line a line that I use a lot because, you know, that way the person knows at least if they can't meet that expectation they know at least that is the expectation and mm-hmm. and you you also said asking for more money and if they can't always make it if they can't always compensate you to that extent if they're off by $100 you take the gig anyway but at least they know yeah this is what you were hoping to get like and and they'll treat you probably better for just for that reason even if they're not paying mm-hmm. you the full fee but the freelance stuff are, are you connecting with any of that Oh yeah, of course. And the
1: thing too is like, it's a, it's a, it's per situation and everything. And of course it's not just about like, oh, you didn't get paid two weeks later. Oftentimes like the things, the, the times that you get frustrated with that are because there's other things going on where whatever those are, they could be interpersonal or whatever. But you know, some, some things are worth waiting, you know, a month for or whatever. And you know, a lot of colleges or if you're Maybe you're doing it through a library and they have to go through the town because they get funding through the town or or especially like grant stuff. You know, it just kind of depends on what it is. And I also, at the same time, of practicing the impatience with it and to be like the boundaries with it. I'm also trying to practice the patience with it of like, you know, it's going to come like when it does, like don't rush it. Don't like, you don't have to be annoying to these people because it's, you know, whatever it's going to come through. And, you know, if you're a jerk about it, They're probably not going to want to hire you back. But if you're not and you're just patient and move on with your life, then you're going to be able to like come back and you could make, you know, that be a solid little gig for you that you do for years and therefore make, you know, a larger sum money with your and by being patient and stuff. So I I see, you know, there's definitely like a balance in both ways. But I think even then, I think trying to kind of nudge people towards that is ideal. But again, it just depends on the situation. But ideally, it's it's nice yeah. When you just get paid, especially when you won't come there. <laughs> There's a lot of trust in that, which is nice.
0: It is nice when you just get paid. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably go on for hours about the nuances of the financial <laughs> part. I think yeah. everybody in our shoes is really interested in this. Wonderful, Julian. Thank- I, I do feel, uh, would you, is this a conversation that you have over and over with your group of friends yeah, and other musicians? Totally. I, yeah. It's a blast, right? It <laughs> you you want to make it interesting, you put some money on it, you know? And Or if you want to eat dinner, you get paid for your work. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wonderful, Julian. Thank, I, I do feel uh, this is great. Thank you. Can you tell me, you've got some other projects? Do you play some Brazilian or Peruvian music? I'm probably mistaking Peruvian.
1: Yeah, I I play some Puerto Rican music. I'm studying that a bit. I've always, I you know, I studied... Cuban and Brazilian music and folkloric Brazilian Cuban music in college a lot and just love that music and I want to study I want to study Peruvian music I want to study folkloric Mexican music and Haitian drumming and Dominican folk I mean I'm just like want to do it all and World I I, I plan to I just like I am just like nothing's gonna stop me I mean I just it's just i I'm the only thing stopping me is me, which is the worst part because I'm the most motivated person in that relationship with myself, but god damn it but i, re- I re- really love that music and yeah I, I do some teaching of that music to different like kids and exposing and doing enrichment classes, I teach hand drums, yeah, it's kind of funny the putting out a piano album is kind of wild'cause I'm you know I'm not really a pianist, I'm a percussionist who plays piano um and have like a voice on it, but I still think it's there's something to be said there and and want to do it. But I, you know, I really am a drummer. I play drums with people and, and any and all the things, but yeah, you I, didn't I start on music. piano. No, I'm not really. I mean, I took piano lessons in high school and always felt really connected to it. And really like there was something emotionally that I was able to convey with the piano that I wasn't able to do even on Marimba or vibraphone. And there's just something about the sound and everything that I just feel really connected to. But I,
0: can't play Rachmaninoff, you know. Oh yeah, no, sure. I mean, well, then, <laughs> then, then who's gonna come see your album tour? <laughs> no, no, no. Of course, that's that's swell, man. But wh- so, who are your your other groups? What are they called?
1: Oh God, I play with Brian Calhoun. I play under my name a lot, and under my name, I do everything from solo vibraphone, solo piano, solo vibraphone and piano play the hand panel a little bit with that sometimes i do i play with like a, a single collaborator whether it's like saxophone or violin or vocalist or now or a trio or a quartet with bass and drums to also i have a repertoire of vibraphone and string trio or quartet music that is super cool and that's going to be one of my next recording projects for sure and people have been like loving like i yeah it's really been wild like i played two pieces at a show with the this other string group on the cape and people like freaked out like they just freaked out they were just like standing ovation they bought like 15 albums and they were just freaked i don't know it was wild and i'm like god i gotta do that more but it's expensive to do with the string players but that was really cool and then yeah I, I mean i'm probably i play with you can see on my bio but different groups like castle skins and did a super avant-garde thing with them i played new music a lot and play with orchestras subs with people and get asked to play with folk singer songwriters playing with Kim Moberg in this fall and record with people when they ask I love to do more I wish I was playing more drum set with people yeah I there's a percussionist on the Cape who I I play with who's a sort of like a community leader percussionist and she's got a ton of drums and all this stuff and so we we play together just for fun and and around and there'll probably be more of that and yeah I work with dancers like yeah, I just kind of do do stuff.
0: What do you do with dancers, actually? Because I've recently been uh, kind of cold calling, trying to get oh, some cool. dance class work for some oh, hand nice. drums and such. What do you do with yeah. dancers?
1: Yeah, I like to play for dance classes in that way. I've had actually Dylan Green, who was on the podcast, do a lot of that. I've done maybe a little bit of that, but I've done more dance classes where I play my original music, and there's these sort of movement, sort of free flowing classes where. A dance teacher is sort of trying to unleash the improvised and break the dancers out of their mold and their sort of usual movement, whether it's like ballet or or whatever it is. And those are really cool. I make videos with dancers, do like dance films. I have four, or there's four for the album that I'm putting out, one that's out, another that will be coming out, and two more. And I want to continue to make those dance films. I love sort of bringing those worlds together. So, yeah, I've kind of come to know some dancers and they know people and just dancers are so open and so cool and just such great musicians and they feel rhythm in a really open unique way they experience music much closer to the way i experience music and many times i find musicians experience music in a really like in a box or like in a real theoretical or sort of like under the microscope and dancers are just like, this feels like this. And this makes me want to move this way. And like, that's how I, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how you listen to music. And so I, I really love just working with dancers and listening to music with dancers and collaborating with dancers and dance teachers and dance companies or whatever. So more to come with that as well, hopefully.
0: I I think I had seen the one video, it might be your primary on your website where the guy's kind of walking up the path and he's walking normally between normal and like this funky sort of ecstatic sort of eccentric way of moving. And then I would say about dancers being very musical, I took the Stomp audition. They had an open call last week. Oh, cool. Wow. And everybody that got called back that I saw was a dancer oh interesting oh wow yeah so i think they are very musical i think you're you're right on your music that you're playing with dance classes and the vibraphone you're playing original tunes are they are you improvising mostly if they're free movement classes i mean they must be going on for longer periods of time than than the tunes do so is a lot of it like ethereal and and with your tune in mind Yeah, so I'll
1: use, my pieces are these sort of cells that can be as like long or short as needed, which is, the music's super flexible. I can play it in a really codified way that like on the albums, but I can also play it short or play it for 10, 20 minutes. So, I like I played a dance class a couple weeks ago and, yeah, one of my pieces, like Absent was playing for like 8 or 10 minutes. You know, and then did that like three times because they were working on an exercise and like, oh, let's do that one again. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. But like, yeah, you you know, there's so much more in these pieces that I'm still discovering and exploring. And that's really cool. You know, there's a lot of the pieces have grown over the years. And the ones on the new album I know will grow even more as I play them longer in so many different situations. From I really like playing background music. Like, I wish I could play background music more because. (laughs) It it allows me to really explore my music, like I did the other day, like a two-hour piano thing, and it allowed me to sit on some of my pieces for longer and really get to know them in a really, like, kind of low-pressure way. That's really helpful for me, because then I can take the best of those moments and then make the best use of that in, like, a featured performance thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm here for background music,
1: honestly. (laughs) At least right now.
0: Well, and vibraphone, can yeah. get an elevator music rap like it, which i'm okay with too right yeah. right like yeah. i i think you're kind of what you said before or maybe you didn't say it maybe i read it yeah on your pinned top pinned instagram post you're trying to bring the vibraphone to spaces where you think it should be right i'm totally. paraphrasing
1: that's what i do actually
0: i love it in the dance class application i had done that once all in college and in an application where it was mostly hand drums but it just fits with that free flow movement with that it's there it's such a resonant gorgeous instrument i have one last question written down for you julian about you personally if there are any spontaneous facts that you feel like you have with you, maybe don't you don't get to talk about with people because it's always music, hobbies, other interests or TV shows you're into, just like, you know, stuff that makes you you. Is there any, like I was, I race remote control cars with my brother on Thursday nights. Oh my God, nice. Do you do any, like, what do, you, what do you like to do? What else is there for you outside of music in your downtime? I appreciate that
1: question a lot. I think that's great. Yeah, there's been a lot of years where I don't do like normal things or whatever because it's just kind of like crazy hitting your head against the wall
0: with music stuff. But
1: Good, by the way. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Like, don't discredit that. You are living the style. But I'm sorry. Go on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a big thing that I do that my girlfriend has like been surprised on how much I do it. But I am obsessed with cooking videos. I love to cook, but I maybe love more than to cook to watch other people cook. And I've yes. loved this for my whole life actually, but I I watch like I'm on the masterclass.com and I love those videos. I watch yes. tons of YouTube and YouTube channels. I love watching YouTube like of people from all different cultures. Like I love food from around the world and I just like I'll watch the same videos over and over again and just like try to memorize like the recipes or the the what they do so that I could just do it. So I'm like obsessed with that. Also, all the cooking shows on like Netflix and Hulu, like generally, like I probably know I've probably watched Chef's Table like all the way through like six or more times. And some of those episodes like over 10 times, like I'm obsessed with Chef's Table, like and all that, like Chef Show and Dave whatever, like obsessed with all that stuff. I also I'm like kind of obsessed with like spices and cookbooks. But the other thing that I've started to do recently that's been super fun. Is play volleyball. And I actually was captain of my volleyball, my freshman and my JV team in high school. I was also like captain of or so of my JV soccer team and played varsity soccer. Um, But I actually grew up as an athlete and like I ran track, played baseball and basketball. And so, yeah, I'm actually really like sports come really in, like tennis and everything. Sports have always come really easily to me. And so I've been playing volleyball and that's been really fun. And like it's kind of amazing to like, step back on it and be like, oh, wow, it's like I never stopped playing. (laughs) That's really fun. And I love the bike ride right now, too. And I just got a paddleboard. So I'm like really stoked. I got this paddleboard that I can blow up and I have this huge backpack that's like probably 30 plus pounds, but I've got it on my bike. So I'll bike with this huge backpack to like a lake and then I'll blow up this this paddleboard and then go out and paddleboard. And that's like so adventurous and like really fun and like paddleboard in places no one else else gets to go so that's like a new adventure for me but yeah i really like grew up hiking and outdoors and so as much as like a little incel like percussion practicer that i have been and can be especially being on the cape i'm finally starting to really break back into who i was before music a little bit which is really nice
0: good these things are i think these things are important right like we've been talking about our work you know and and again having had some corporate jobs the work was the last thing I wanted to talk about sometimes. I yeah, used to race right, bicycles right. myself. Oh, nice. You may find yourself back getting tired of the backpack and like starting yeah. to look at some rear mounted. Uh, yeah,
1: my girlfriend was talking about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I f- what do they call them? Just, just like a basket for the back, right? But like yeah. something you can strap that backpack to yeah. might make your experience more enjoyable in the biking thing. But um, cool, man. You're a real guy. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) You're a
1: real guy. Yeah, this has Uh, been awesome. Thanks so much for having
0: me. I'm so happy to talk to you. Uh, Julian, you're going to be on fire for your 30s as this goes according to plan. Hopefully. I'm so excited for you and to follow your career. Where can people find you just so we have an an utterance of that officially?
1: Yeah, so my website's a great place. JulianLoyda.com. J-U-L-I-A-N-L-O-R-D-A. Dot com that is the best place also sign up for my mailing list which you can do on the contact page of my website that's the best place to know everything that's happening that go that's really the best thing and then follow on spotify and we're streaming follow on instagram facebook youtube is a great place like you were talking about there's a ton of stuff on youtube that i wish i could, could direct people to but that really showcases the breadth of what i do as well um, there's just so many different things on there I would do the podcast. Just a great, Same for Frank's subscriber, give a rating, get five stars. Hey, thanks, um, thank you. <laughs> Will do. Yeah, I feel like I might forget something, but yeah, Bandcamp.
0: Yeah, mailing list is a great thing. Yeah, the mailing list—you'll know everything if you get on the mailing list. Okay, cool, Julian Loida. I hope you have a great gig tonight and a safe ride there and home. Thank you so much for doing this with me. It was I can't tell you how much i enjoyed hearing uh, your side of the interview and really thank you
1: yeah thank you frank thanks for all the great questions and jumping on to to do this this is really great thanks again
0: thank you for listening to the frank's percussion podcast you can find all julian's contact album tour podcast and website information linked in the description of this show If you have guest suggestions or want to be on the podcast, reach me on Instagram at Franks Percussion. I love you.